Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Today, we continue our series of programs on restoring calm and a positive mental attitude in the midst of chaos, and there's certainly a lot of that going around these days. But let me begin by asking you, do you routinely suffer through sleepless nights like this? It's 3.30 a.m., you're wide awake and you can't get back to sleep. The hamster wheel in your head is going around at 90 miles an hour. Worries are popping up right and left. How in the world can we afford any of the colleges our daughter is applying to? What's with the uh, that check engine light that lit up last night, evening on my car's dashboard? Mom's becoming more and more forgetful. Will we need to move her into our home? Will she require assisted living or memory care? There's a rumor at work that layoffs are just around the corner. Am I going to lose my job? After that and a few other thoughts come to mind, and after tossing and turning for the next three hours, the alarm goes off at 6.30 a.m., and you feel like a truck just hit you, and in no way do you look forward to the day ahead. You have a meeting scheduled with your boss, and you fear she'll give you a new assignment. The job, your finances, life in general, you're completely stressed out, fearful of the future, exhausted and unable to cope. And I'll be the first to admit, like a lot of you, for many years I suffered through sleepless nights and worried-filled days like that. But here's some heartening news. What if someone told you that you were in control and over tough your immediate circumstances, you have the power to control and overcome worry. You need not let worry overpower you. In fact, you can use your own brain power to remove fear and worry from daily living and to create the peaceful, joyful life of your dreams. And wouldn't it be great if you could replace fatigue, self-doubt, and constant worry with energy, confidence, and calm? Uh, boy, you'd pay attention to that, wouldn't you? And uh, based over on over 60 years combined professional observation and extensive research, that's precise, precisely what my guests, uh, Drs. Carol Kershaw and Bill Wade, promise. And together they have co-authored a brand new book titled The Worry-Free Mind, Train Your Brain, Calm the Stress Cycle, and Discover a Happy and More Productive You. And Dr. Kershaw is a licensed psychologist in private practice and co-director of the Milton A. Erickson Institute of Houston. She's an international trainer and approved consultant in clinical hypnosis, hypnosis, I should say, and brain-based psychological transformation. She's author of the book, The Couple's Hypnotic Dance, and numerous articles in professional journals and magazines. And she's presented workshops in Canada, South America, Middle East, and Europe. And Bill Wade, Ph.D., is a psychotherapist at the Institute for Family Psychology and co-director of that Milton Friedman Institute. 
He's licensed in Texas as a married and family a marriage and family counselor and has maintained his practice for over 30 years and he's approved supervisor with the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy and an approved consultant with the American Society of Clinical Clinical Hypnosis and he's presented workshops throughout the US and abroad on chemical uh, clinical hypnosis, brain-based transformation, and meditation. And Drs. Kershaw and Wade are married and have three grand, uh, grown children and seven grandchildren. And hello, doctors. Congratulations on your brand-new book and most especially on your seven grandkids. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, let's begin with the basics. What is worry? Is there a scientific explanation? Why do we worry? Well, we naturally worry because our brains are wired for that. It's really a survival tool that we have, but living in the kind of culture we do, um, generally we don't need to move into fight, flight, or freeze quite so readily. <laughs> you know, except, you know, um, so we were, Bill and I were talking about this. Every time you get the terms breaking news that appears on your smartphone, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really a sign to your brain to get ready to fight, flight, or, free, or freeze, yeah, as right? If, as if you and I can do anything about the breaking news that happens half That's a continent right. away or half a world away. That's right. right. Now, there are many things to be concerned about, and we try to draw a distinction with being concerned, which is there are issues that we need yeah. to pay attention to. Yes, Whether course. we need to pay attention to them immediately or spin around with them, is a whole other issue. Right. So or immediately worry. take take right. it upon ourselves to worry about them uh, when, when we have no immediate control over them at all. Yes. Right. And the more we worry, we actually make ourselves not only suffer more, but we become less effective uh, when we uh, are trying to solve problems. Yeah. Well, in, in prehistoric times, obviously, it told uh, our ancestors that uh, threats were imminently likely that that uh, what we thought was a rock is a lion, as you point out. But uh, can, yes. you tell, can you tell us how hype for alertness today triggers fear chemicals that age the body, keep our minds in a constant state of tension, and can lead to heart attacks, lower immune responses, conflict, and even cancer? And more importantly, yes. how can we reduce and control this hyper-alertness? Right, and you know the the hyper alertness is really learned over a period of time. Oh. So we have to learn how to interrupt it. And when you're in a state of hyper alertness for a long period of time, the body produces cortisol, which is a very powerful hormone that wears out the organs yeah. and puts everything out of balance. So. Yeah. So in the book, we talk about the first step is to work on interrupting your worry thoughts. Oh, I see. And you can do that in a variety of ways, but one thing for certain is that... You begin to focus your attention outside your body. To be aware that you're under stress is the signal that I need to change where I'm paying attention. So you oh. ask yourself a question, is this an issue? I need to deal with something right now. Yeah. Or... Can I focus outside myself and begin to calm my brain down so I'm in a moderate range of arousal? Mm -hmm. That's okay. the first thing. So you focus outside yourself to begin to calm yourself down. Yeah, when yeah. you focus, I'm sorry, when you focus externally, and that can be like taking a walk and looking at the trees, yeah. um, that sounds very simple, but you can't hold 
a worry thought while you're looking at something outside yourself. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> you know, you point out that we didn't worry when we were infants, toddlers, or little kids. Uh, you know, when we uh, took our first steps, we just did that without sitting around worrying about it. But uh, who and what taught us that it was a wise thing to worry? What turns <laughs> folks like you and me into worry warts? <laughs> yeah, I think our parents, in an attempt to keep us safe, yeah. sometimes try to keep us too safe or react with more alarm uh, than is necessary. Obviously, if a child is about to run in the street, you grab the child by the belt yeah. and keep the child from uh, getting into harm's way. But children yeah. need a place to explore. They're yeah. curious. Uh, they find interest in all sorts of things. And unfortunately, a lot of us were not trained or taught how to make use of that natural sense of curiosity. We became more afraid uh, because of our learning. Yeah, and then uh, parents unwittingly or teachers maybe tell us subtly that we have limitations, that we shouldn't be dreaming those unrealistic, as they call it, dreams. I think that That's contributes a lot to it, too. <laughs> it really does. We saw just the opposite uh, Sunday night in Houston. No yeah. other football team in a Super Bowl ever came back from 25 points. Somebody forgot to tell Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the rest of the New England Patriots that they couldn't do that. That it was yeah. impossible. That and was incredible. They, they got more and more focused as the second half went on. Yeah. No, that's very true. Well, what are some of the bad results that are often found in individuals who become worry warts? I know there's the health issues you pointed out, but uh, what are some of the other uh, yeah, negative? So I think a big issue is that people develop a very highly reactive mind. Oh, yeah. So they get they, their nervous system are, is so sensitive that they react to things people say, looks yeah. people give them, gestures, yeah. and that particularly happens in Houston driving. People are giving <laughs> each other lots of gestures. Right. <laughs> yeah, driven you know. through Houston a few times. Right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, probably so no worse than L.A., though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Um, the When people are reactive, and again, uh, with the political situation today, uh, yeah. people have a hard time listening to each other. They have a hard time yeah. listening to each other's concerns. Most of our concerns are actually fairly similar. We're yeah. concerned about our health, our well-being, uh, our children, grandchildren's well-being, the health of the country. We have different ways of approaching that, and when we're calm, we can learn to listen to one another and find solutions that are acceptable to both. When we're in a reactive sense, then what happens is that we end up making the other an enemy, and then we just keep uh, keep the conflict going where it's harder and harder to find any kind of uh, legitimate solutions. In yeah. fact, we we often tell our clients that you know no good solution comes out of an anxious or worried mind, yeah. but wonderful solutions come out of a calm mind. So that yeah, it, it has huge benefits. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how, like you point out, you go for a walk in the woods, and you're not trying to solve this huge problem that uh, you had in your mind that has you worrying, staying up late at night and you're walking enjoying the uh, flowers and the trees and whatever else out there and uh, so often solutions start to come to you 
when you're they not do. trying to concentrate on solving the That's issue. That's right. Exactly. Getting thinking outside the, your own worried mind. But, uh, That's right. In your book, you offer this great power thought. With brain training, you can shift your mental state to access more positive patterns. And what are our mental states? How many different mental states are there? And uh, what is brain training? And what are some effective ways to train your brain to react positively and constructively to what happens to you? I know that's a lot to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's it's a great question. It's the crux of the book, really. Um, So mental states uh, are emotional spaces that we get into, and there are thousands of them, really. Um, But um, we, um, you know, we did a lot of research for this book and our other technical book, Brain Change Therapy, and discovered the neuroscience has said that brain uh, mental states precede everything. It precedes whether you see possibilities, your emotions, your behavioral patterns, and um, your perspective and so forth. So if you can learn how to shift your mental state, which often is a lot easier than changing your thoughts, because where you focus attention will change your mental state, um, then other things open up for you. So think of your when you're anxious, you're tense. So your body provides a clue to a state of anxiety, of a size of the mind spinning around, yeah. uh, your body, your jaws get tight, your fists may get tight, your shoulders and neck may get tight. If yeah. you're too sad, then there's a sense of heaviness on your chest or <clears throat> on your body, on your shoulders. And those become cues that when you pay attention to, do you need to increase your level of arousal or lower your level of arousal? When we talk yeah. about uh, brain states, we're talking about uh, modulating your level of arousal, and that becomes a physical kind of sensation. And what is brain, what is brain training, you ask? Well, yeah. you know, many things can go into that, whether you do meditation or you're listening to music or like we were talking about taking a walk. Um, yeah. But something like that needs to be incorporated into a person's life so that you're you're getting some downtime and time in calm states. Yeah. yeah. It's like a reset button to the brain, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, let, let's use a real-life example. Let's say you've just been laid off from a middle management position after 16 years with your company. It was a general reduction in force, not your poor performance. You loved your job and your community, and you're up every night now worrying about family finances, finding a comparable position, and potential relocation. How in the world can you train your brain to think positive thoughts when you're under a a personal situation like that? Well, one thing, and again, this has to do with a long-term approach, and I'll talk about short-term approach in a moment. Meditation, just sitting calmly, um, bringing your brain down from its worry state to just say focusing on your breath and doing that on a regular basis actually then allows you to see problems uh, in uh, a broader perspective and come up with solutions. On a short-term basis, again, distracting yourself, taking time out to take a walk, to uh, do things like we talk about bilateral stimulation, which uh, balances the blood flow. Again, that has time well spent 
because if you don't spend that time doing that, a person stays in this kind of freeze mode, and they yeah. keep spinning around about possibilities that aren't working. I think, uh, you know, and it's a great case example, and, and uh, unfortunately many people have that experience, and people yeah. have to go through a grieving period um, in terms of how they identified themselves, and it's very difficult yeah. to do. But I think letting yourself feel the feelings you have and then, as Bill's talking about, doing something about it, not just sitting in them forever, is so important to being able to move on to something something new. And then the action that a person like that takes, changing their resume. Um, yeah, finding yeah taking action looking so for crucial. Jobs. Yes. Start right. concentrating and on what you're looking for in the future on that next job rather than uh, moaning the job you've lost and then start right. thinking about all the uh, tasks you have to perform to uh, to how to get from here to there to find that job is a uh, right. Is really, right. Yeah, and your book. Focus, uh, just focus one step at a time. Yeah, yeah, then you're more right. likely to be uh, successful. Yeah, in your book, you tell us that shifting attention away from what is causing you stress and anxiety has a positive uh, chemical effect. I thought that was uh, amazing. Right. What is this chemical effect you're talking about? Well, it depends on exactly how you're doing it. We have a chapter in there on where we well where we talk about what we call deep dive. You oh. can take your mind while you're awake all the way down to the edge of sleep and hover there for a few yeah. minutes. Oh, wow. And when that occurs, this is really cool. Your brain releases uh, what's called a peptide of bliss. They called it a non-demide, and actually, it's a very close in uh, chemical structure to marijuana. <laughs> so, <laughs> Endocannabinoid. So you don't have to go to California, Colorado. I'm going to go to Colorado. <laughs> you have this ability in your own brain. Yeah. It's very healing. Yeah. Well, here's another fascinating uh, point you make in your book. Uh, let's go back to real life and say I have an important decision to make. I've been offered a new job in another community with higher pay and more responsibility, and I'd love the promotion great for my career, but I like my present job, my home, community, relationships, not to mention our kids' lives would be uh, disrupted. Uh, you talk about mind wandering to come up with a solution. I think that's fascinating and so true. What is mind wandering, and uh, how do we do that to, uh, interestingly, solve a problem by not concentrating on it? Yeah, so another word for that would be daydreaming. You just let your mind go where it wants to, as long as you're not running uh, your most favorite Stephen King horror movies. We don't want that kind of mind wandering, (laughs) you know. Um, But uh, the mind tends to want to wander anyway, and um, if you allow that for a few minutes, I wouldn't spend the whole day doing that, but yeah. it's amazing what will come out of that. Just when you least expect it, as you were saying, you know, interesting ideas pop up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I love the way you say, ironically, the way to make a decision is to break from trying to figure out a solution. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, in your book, you talk about two types of chemical waves within our brains, beta and alpha, and what type causes us to worry and fret, and what can you and I do to change our chemical makeup and calm our brains? Well, the brain produces brainwave frequencies 
all the time from a half a cycle per second to about 80 cycles per second. Um, beta is from about 12 or 20 or 15 cycles per second on up to about 40. And that's a brainwave uh, frequency that we're engaged in thought. When it gets too high, we can end up, end up locking. So it's like you're running your engine in your car too fast and it overheats and locks yeah. up. Uh, we've got brainwave frequencies much lower than that, alpha and theta, uh, and that's where creativity is. And you want to be able to dip into that but not stay there. Otherwise, it's like having your engine run too slow. Uh, it never gets up. So we yeah. can learn to train our brain uh, through biofeedback, e.g. biofeedback, uh, to maximize our ability, in a, in a sense, to get a hold of the gear shift. So we can put it in high gear when we need it and throttle back when we need to wind down. So we actually can learn, and eventually you learn to have a subtle sensation that tells you when you're shifting gears. Oh, that's great. Well, let's get one final question here. Let's get down to where rubber meets the road. What is future thinking, uh, which you talk about in your book, and what does it accomplish, and how do we activate this future thinking? So we all do this all the time. That is, you know, we're examining potential futures. Um, yeah. Most of the time the worry mind tries to examine the worst possible future. Yeah. <laughs> all the time, doesn't And it? <laughs> instead of doing that, we suggest you practice examining the very best positive futures that uh, even oh, if you think it would be impossible to experience that. So we've got... We've got a little exercise in the book called Your Perfect Day, you know, and it, you know, how, you, how you would describe what your perfect day would be and then how close are you to it now and what would you need to do to get closer to it. Yeah. But it's actually practicing the visualization of going into the future. You can even have a conversation with your future self who's already yeah. in that future who <laughs> can instruct you about how to get there. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> I know I, in my book I have an exercise where you do a, uh, <clears throat> you write a, a well, it's kind of like an obituary, 50 years in the future, and I mean, we don't concentrate on the number of years, but you uh, list all those accomplishments you intend to have between yeah. now and uh, <laughs> that final day. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, there's some interesting research with that, that when people do that, and they find that their lives actually move much closer in that direction and right. accomplishing those things. They're giving themselves, in, in a sense, a subconscious uh, suggestion. And so yeah. when the future unfolds, they're able to see possibilities that without that suggestion would be harder to see. Right. Oh, I'll be darned. Well, that's a... Let's talk briefly about your book, uh, The Worry-Free Mind, Train Your Brain, Calm the Stress, Spin Cycle, and Discover a Happier, More Productive You. Who is the book primarily written for? Is it for uh, mental health professionals, or can lay persons like me and our listeners who want to suppress needless fear and worry, do they, can they read that in uh, your book? Oh, again? sure. We, we, yeah, we wrote it for the public, oh. um, and uh, you know we wanted a broad audience because we were... We're excited about these concepts. Yeah. We think that if people really knew the potential that they have within themselves and started yeah. to practice some of these things, gosh, uh, you know, amazing things will open up. It's a pass-along book, so 
clinicians can read it too. Right. Yeah. But again, our uh, target audience was the general public. What's, uh, you talk about your primary goal in the book in the introduction. Uh, tell us what your primary goal of your book is. Well, we want people to learn that they have the capacity to change their mental states and therefore they can change their present and their future. Because if you continue to practice the same states, mental states all the time, yeah. you're really living in the past. Yeah, and, and it's such a weak and sad excuse when you try to blame events or circumstances or others yes. on the, the fact that you're perpetually worried, worried and unhappy. That's right. At some yeah, point, well, you've got to forgive mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, your, and your third grade teacher. Yeah, that's true. Well, where best should we go to preview and purchase your book? I know well, it's on it Amazon, and uh, it's in three different formats. There's an ebook, the regular oh. paperback, and uh, and it's also been recorded on audiobooks. Oh, great. Yeah. So that uh, Amazon, I know that I found it there. And also you can uh, you have a website that describes you and uh, you offer a number of other products and workshops and counseling and other things. Uh, what uh, what uh, is your website address? That, uh, it's people... Doctors Carol and Bill. And, uh, that's DRS, right? Rather than spelling out. DRS, Carol and Bill dot com. Yeah, I found it there, and that's a great website. Well, to conclude. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Is, as my guests, uh, Dr. Carol uh, Kershaw and Dr. Bill Wade, tell us, your genius mind knows how to make your brain dissolve worry and stay in the best positive, creative state most all of the time. And the result is a joyful, stress-free life full of possibility. And the author's new book, The Worry-Free Mind, shows you how to decipher the architecture of your model of reality and better yet, shift to a new, more, newer, more positive version. And the result will be lower stress, calm your reactive mind, feel cheerier, create a dynamic flow, and thoroughly enjoy your second half of life. And that sounds pretty good to me. And thank you so much, <laughs> Dr. <for> <laughs> yeah. And best of success on your new book, and have a great time with those grandkids. Thank well, you. Thank you we very really much. appreciate you it. Take care. Whatever your present age, let me ask you a deeply personal question before we go. Do you feel older than your years? Has the vision of youth left you behind, dreams interrupted, goals unfinished? This morning, did you wake up feeling negative about today, tomorrow, next week, fearing the months and years to come? Even sadder, are you convinced that life's greatest joys and your crowning achievements are all behind you, gone for good? In short, do you suffer from the all-too-common middle-age affliction that we label diminished expectations? Here I am at 40, 50, 45, 65, uh, even 70, dead-end job or no job, unfulfilling relationships, unhappy social life, no real goals. What's the point? Oh, for so many, middle age is like a stop sign, a brick wall, an invisible, remote, uh, an invisible mark, I should say, on life's timeline that says dreams stop here. The best is over. It's all downhill from this point on. Well, on this program, our sole purpose is to help people like you in their middle years to restore joy, a sense of purpose, and a zest for living. And by golly, all of those are possible. You deserve to wake up every morning 
full of inspiration, feeling great about the days ahead. It can be fun to be alive, believe me. And the notion that individuals in their 40s, 50s, even 60s are over the hill is pure hogwash. You're not over the hill at 42, believe me. In fact, you have spent 20, 30 or more years of adult living building the tools and gaining the life experience that you'll need to accomplish ambitious personal goals, to contribute tremendous value to others, and to enjoy your journey through life's second half. And here's the key for most uninspired baby boomers. The primary obstacles to positive, stress-free adult living are self-imposed. That's right. They're imposed by your inner self, not by circumstances or anyone else. Because every one of us is born with an infinite capacity to approach the future competently and positively. No one can tell us what we uh, have to think inside or no one else can hold us back, only ourselves. Also, we've been created with an almost unlimited resources for greatness. If only more people would recognize what they have inside to work with. So if you routinely find yourself unhappy, unfulfilled, and unmotivated, I'm here to tell you, you've been sleepwalking through life. And I speak from experience. I'm an experienced sleepwalker. For 30 years, I stumbled half-heartedly through relationships in my career, through just about everything, before I received my wake-up call around 16 years ago. And today, I wouldn't trade my life with anyone I know. So what's keeping you from restoring positive emotions and a faith in the future? Well, a life plan and a little inspiration, that's what. And my gift to you today is the beginning of a bright new perspective on life. You've just got to go out and reach for it, and it'll be there. And it's up to you, uh, and it's free for the taking. And uh, we're here to help. Simply go to our website, www.middleagerenewal.com. It's got a whole bunch of resources, including a free download, a number of things that uh, will help you get that new perspective on life. And while there, please please (laughs) preview my book, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, by Roy C. Richards. It provides a step-by-step roadmap, including 18 self-realization exercises that will take you from where you are today to the uh, through midlife renewal to where you would like to be tomorrow. And here's your invitation right now. Come join our growing congregation of joyfully renewed midlife winners as we embrace the prime of life. You know, we're all like lottery winners, although 98% of us never won anything. And uh, that's our program for today. Come join us next week, and we'll talk all about the future of Obamacare. You know, what happens with health care in America is going to impact all of us. So be tuned then, and we'll see you on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 